Bible study on Tuesday evenings. For the past several months, we've been studying the parables. These stories that Jesus uses to teach and to challenge his disciples and his followers into questioning their understanding of things. I think it would be frustrating to hang around with Jesus. He never answered a question directly. When you would ask him something, especially a, if he felt it was a teaching moment, he would often use that moment to present you with a story that helped you to dis, you know, discern the answer for yourself. I was n- never fond of teachers like that in school. I was like, just tell me what I need to know for the test. I'm going to learn it. All will be well. I didn't like when uh, they challenged us to use our critical thinking and all of those skills that seem like a lot of work. In this moment in ministry this morning, Jesus is using this story about the sower to, to invite the listener into understanding of how God's word is given and how it's received. Jesus is speaking, teaching in the words that we read today. Gathered before a large group of people, he shares one of my favorite, probably my favorite parable, the parable of the sower. Uh, Richard, in our Bible study, says that this parable should really be called the parable of the soil. And I agree with him. Because there is a great lesson here on how the seed is sown, and and we'll talk about that a little bit this morning. But I love this parable because the seed that is being so freely sown is the word of God. It's the story of God's redemption, the teaching of truth and true freedom. And unlike in previous times, Jesus is speaking of a new way that the truth is being shared. It is no longer restricted and set aside for God's People, those designated holy folks who have earned the right to hear, to be taught, and to understand, and therefore to be allowed access to God. No, now God's word is being freely sown, thrown about, tossed around for anyone to receive, accessible to all. And I love that. Maybe this story strikes me because I'm a farmer's daughter. It presents a great visual for me. See, my dad did not sow seed this way. Seed's expensive. When you look at a bag of seed and you prepare to plant that seed in the carefully prepared ground, this is money and futures that you're looking at. You prepare to plant and sow. You carefully put the seed in the planter and you methodically plant perfect rows in the prepared dirt. This is not a willy-nilly process. Yet here in this parable, we see the word of God's grace, seed, if you will, being tossed about without a care. Some of it falls off to the side where it's trampled and ruined, eaten by birds. No good comes of this wasted seed. Then you have the seed that's fallen on rock. Nothing can grow here. No growth can be sustained here. If it did by chance take root, as soon as it sprouts, it will wither and die without the moisture of the soil. And then some seed falls in the weeds and the thorns. And it's bound to happen if you're just carelessly throwing seed around. And soon the weeds choke any life out of the seed and it withers and it dies. 
And finally, finally, we get some seed that falls on good ground. The seed takes sprouts, turns good fruit, good crop, finally. But what yield can you have if you plant, if you sow this way? This farmer needs to go back to Farming 101 and relearn the sowing process. Richard, my Bible study friend, has said that this should be called the parable of the soil. And I agree. You see, if, if the seed is God's word, then the soil is humanity. We are the soil. We are the ones that receive the word of God, the grace of God, the story of redemption. And friends, sometimes we're rocks. Sometimes we're rocks. No, no room. There's no room here in our hard exterior for the word of God to penetrate. So we turn from it not interested. There's no way for the seed of the word of grace to take root and to, to cause change. Sometimes we're the shallow soil. We've heard the word. It has impacted us. It has penetrated us but it doesn't change us in a lasting way. We believe in God. We appreciate God's grace. It's the Thanksgiving table. We are blessed in abundance. But then Tuesday, hot dog day comes around, and we think, well, where's the God of the abundant table? God has left the building. When our prayers go seemingly unanswered, the, the shallow soil person doesn't have the spiritual maturity to understand that sometimes no answer is the answer. Sometimes no answer means that God's timing is not perfected yet. But see, we have to have depth of faith to understand that the waiting can be part of the answer. Shallow soil doesn't give the word what it needs to set and to grow deep roots. The first big wind of change or discomfort can rip the new seedling straight from its spot in the loose dirt. All is lost. Most of us, though, would like to believe that we're, we're good dirt, good soil. They say, oh, yes, God, when you sow your word into me, I take it in. I let it take root. It begins to grow and flourish within me. My life shows the yield of the word that has been sown in me. I'm a changed person, faithful and just, fighting for the gospel, fighting for what is right, being a change maker and a peace seeker. Just call me a good dirt disciple. I think that we are all of these things, all of these different types of soil at different times in our lives. And I believe that we are all striving to be good dirt. We're here together this morning studying God's word, looking for the word that is meant for us today. Speak to me, God. Plant your seed, your word within me. We are here. We're adding nutrients to our soil. We're caring for God's word and giving it time to grow within us and to sanctify us. We are good dirt. There's another kind of soil in this parable that I skipped over. That's the soil that, that is among the, the thorns, the weeds, 
That's where many of us find ourselves in this story. Many days, many of us find ourselves in the weeds, amongst the thorns. Life can be pretty thorny. You see, we're good soil. We're studying, we're learning, we're seeking the heart of God. But there are weeds among us. Worldly weeds. We get, we get caught up in the world. Not to say, though, that the world is bad. Sometimes we as Christians, well, I'm, I'm in the world, I'm not of the world. Well, God made the world, and God likes the world a lot. He said the world was good. And so this world that we try to avoid is actually God's world. And so, so it's not bad, but it is, it distracts us this world. See, on Sunday morning, it's easy to feel like good dirt. We come together, we sing, we worship, we fellowship, and we're feeling like primo soil. And then by Wednesday, whew, we're in the weeds. Every person is getting on your last nerve. You are tempted by everything that you promised on Sunday morning that you would not be drawn into. You are tired, frustrated, feeling less grounded. You are more weeds than soil. There are weeds everywhere you look. Friends, we can be good dirt. Weeds like good dirt. That's a good place to grow. And if you let the weeds get out of hand pretty soon, all you have is a patch of weeds. The weeds have choked out the crop. They've suffocated out the potential. It's easy. It's easy. Normally in the fall around this time, we talk about stewardship. We talk about living our lives with an intentional focus. We talk about all of the ways that we can structure our lives. And we do that intentionally in the fall to give ourselves a good check before we head into such a busy season, the holidays. Because as we head toward one of the most Christ-focused times of the year, you know, this and Easter, those are Jesus' time. As we head toward that, the world slowly begins to dissolve to a really weird place. And it's so easy to get caught up into all of it. We all have. It's so easy to get our priorities out of line when we're trying to create the perfect Pinterest Christmas, when we're trying to create the perfect holiday, when we're looking for the perfect gift. We forget that we already received the perfect gift, and he's the reason for the season. I know it sounds like a Hallmark card, but, you know, it's the truth. I've told most of you the story of how we can get caught up in things It was Probably 15 years ago on a Black Friday, I ventured out to Walmart at 5 in the morning for some inexplicable reason. Actually, I know what it was. I was going to buy a DVD player that drove me out to Walmart. And, and there was a group of people in a section of the store, and they were pressing forward, and there was this feeling of, of urgency. And, and I thought, what's going on over there? Because my fear of missing out like kicked in immediately. And I thought, well, I need to be in the middle of that. I don't know what that is, but that looks exciting. 
And so I left my DVD player dreams and I went with the crowd. And pretty soon I was pushing my way forward and elbowing people out of the way. And then I got to the front of the line and I thought, yes, I've made it. I didn't know what I'd made it to, but I knew I had made it. And then I saw the source of all of this passion, turkey cookers. And I grabbed one. Because if all these people need a turkey cooker, I need a turkey cooker. Right? If all these people were pressing forward in the Walmart, I need a turkey fryer. Because what celebrates the birth of the Savior of the world more than a turkey cooker? And then I went, wait a minute. I want a turkey cooker. I'd probably burn the house down if I tried to fry a turkey. And I put it down. That's what happens to us. We get in the weeds. We get drawn into things, and then we fight our way forward to the front and then think, what am I doing here? How did this happen? I don't trust myself to shop on Black Friday anymore. See, the world has a way of inviting us into forgetting what we're really doing. The world has a way of tempting us with with things that we probably don't need and we'll end up in a closet in our house somewhere and then we'll sell it at a garage sale for $2 10 years later. They'll think, I never even opened that box. I never even cooked a turkey. We're like kids with the JCPenney Christmas catalog. Does anybody remember this? Hallelujah. When the mailman brought that thing, right? I would, I would sit in my room, my room which was filled with abundance, toys and games and, and the dollhouse that my grandpa had made for me that he had built with his own hands and had shipped from Florida in a box bigger than I was. And I would sit with the JCPenney catalog and I would go page by page through the toy section with the darkest marker I could find. And I would circle and circle and circle the things that I needed Santa to bring me. I needed it. By the time I was done, there was probably a hundred circles throughout that book. That's not the fact that I went through and made a Christmas dream list. That's just part of being a kid. But when I looked up, around my abundantly filled room, at my toys. And when I looked at my dollhouse, I I looked a little differently at them. They had a little less luster. I had a beautiful dollhouse, but but it wasn't a Barbie dream house and it didn't have a pool that was this deep and Barbie was up to her knees. It's never like the commercials. And I, and I had a Cabbage Patch doll, but I didn't have a newborn Cabbage Patch doll that came with the birth certificate signed by Xavier Roberts. You see, sometimes when you get in the weeds, what you have doesn't look as nice as what could be. There's so much abundance that surrounds us, especially here in the U.S., even in these times when the cost of living has increased so much and and we worry and we fret, we are greatly blessed. The Youth Fellowship Group, Tevin and Heidi and Linda Hetzel, took 
our youth fellowship kids to work at Project Feed last week. They packed meal bags, things like, like rice and beans, right? Like the things that never go when we put them in our blessing boxes here in the U.S. And, and these meals that they packed were not big, right, Linda? Like about the size of your bulletin. And they packed 25,000 of them, this gathering of young people. And they were going to be sent all over the world to developing countries. And, and something the size of our bulletin would feed a family of six. A family of six. And her comment last week, Linda brought it up at, at the evening service at Republic. She said, I couldn't believe something just this size would serve a family of six, and it made me think of, of how those people who would receive this small bag of rice and beans would feel if they saw a picture of the abundant tables that we would all gather around this week. And I'm not trying to shame us. Not at all. I'm just trying to remind us. I'm just trying to remind me, the, the person who, who still looks who still looks at what could be, who still gets caught up in, in the turkey cooker mob of what I really need. I'm trying to remind us that we have been blessed with abundance. God has thrown blessings upon us like the seed thrown around in this parable. Blessings have been cast all around, but we need to care for them, be aware of them. And we need to structure our lives to make sure that, that we can participate in this abundance that God has, has bestowed upon us and we can become channels of blessings for others. See, we become enthralled by overabundance. Sometimes we're always seeking the, the new or the better or the shinier or the faster or whatever adjective appeals to you. And when we do that, when we seek more and more, we lose our balance. We lose our perspective. Our lives look a little dingier compared to the, the wish book. The weeds take over. And Jesus is instructing those who are listening to him to prepare themselves. He says, prepare yourself to receive God's word and be changed. Prepare your soil so that when the seed is sown in you, you can go forth and live into that life. And you can live in such a way that your abundant life becomes a channel to help serve and love others. Jesus is calling us to be intentional. Intentional with each decision in our lives. We are called to be intentional with how we spend our time. Will we spend our time in activities that will help others that will help ourselves? Will we intentionally structure our lives in such a way that service is a part of it? There are so many options and ways that we can serve one another. The question is, will we make the time and take the time? What is our priority? We are called to be intentional with how we spend our financial resources Will we live within our means, not overspending or living on credit? Will we seek ways to serve others with our financial resources? Dave Ramsey teaches in Financial Peace University that if you live like no one else, then you can live like no one else. 
but it takes being intentional. Are we structuring our family's finances to ensure that we have enough for tough times, or are we in the weeds? Are we taking care of ourselves spiritually? Have we prepared the soil of our own lives to receive God's word? And if we have prepared and received the word and the promise of Christ, do we continue to tend to it? As, as part of this uh, clergy flourish program that I'm in, we have accountability partners. I suggest you have one. You're not going to like it. I don't appreciate mine. I love her to death. But I said, you know, I'm really struggling getting all of my personal devotion time in. I study, study God's word a lot, but it's often for service of others. I'm having a hard time getting my own personal discipleship time in. And my precious friend Beth said, really? Really? I said, yeah. Busy. We're so busy. She goes, Didn't you just tell me that you lay in bed at night and watch TikTok? And I was like, So? <laughs> See these truth tellers that we invite into our lives when they tell us the truth? It was rude. And she said, Well, it's, it's not that you shouldn't watch TikTok. And I said, listen, it's part of my self-care. Watching dog videos on TikTok, I'll have you know. And she said, well, I'm not trying to take your self-care away, Charlene. But do you think maybe you could read your evening devotional and then watch TikTok? And I said, shut up. You know, we need, we, I know, I shouldn't have said that, should I? I know. We need truth tellers in our lives. We need someone who loves us enough to say, hey, you're kind of in the weeds over here. What if we come back towards center? What if we prune some of that away so that you're good dirt? That's all I want to be is good dirt. God can do the rest. We are called to know that we have been blessed with more than enough. We have been blessed by a God who lovingly just casts blessings and grace upon us for all of us, for us, not for God, for us. The choice of what we do with that, the choice of how we receive that grace, how we understand that grace, how we channel that grace, that's up to us. Will we thrive among the seeds or will we end up choked out by the weeds? Only we can determine that. And all God's people said, amen. That sounded like the amen I gave Beth.